Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Exodus chapter 4, Moses is in the middle of a conversation with God. There's been a call that's been placed on his life and Moses, 80 years old now, is now getting that which he's been created for placed upon him. I need you to know that if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. That if you have a pulse, that you have a purpose. God doesn't create a man and then place a purpose in him. He creates a purpose and wraps flesh around him. And so every one of you has a plan. Every one of you has a purpose. And in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, we find Moses in this conversation with God. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. In other words, just because you've shown up doesn't mean all of a sudden I can do what I wasn't talented to do before. I need some of you to understand that just because you came to know God doesn't mean that you could sing now. If you weren't able to sing before you came to know God, you might not be able to sing when you come to know God. If you couldn't cook before you came to know Christ, chances are you probably still can't cook after you say the prayer. If you were a slob before you came to know Christ, you might still be a little messy, okay? When Christ comes in, doesn't mean that things that we all couldn't do before that we automatically could do now. I'll explain that to you a little bit in in a moment, okay? But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In other words, I stutter. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to see three questions that Moses has already brought to God's attention. Number one. He says this, who am I? In other words, before I go and do what you ask me to do, God, I need to know who my identity is. But God doesn't respond to Moses with an answer to his identity. He responds to Moses with a promise. He doesn't say, Moses, this is who you are. He says, Moses, I will be with you. I'll go with you. Second question was, God, who are you? And he wanted to know, God, who is sending me? And God says, I am that I am. In other words, when you go into the wilderness, when you take the children of Israel out, that when you need water, I'll be water from a rock. When you need food, I'll be manna from heaven. When you need uh, shade during the day, I'll be a pillar of cloud pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night that whatever you need I am and he's telling them I am has sent you and then he's asked number three well what if they don't believe me what if they don't trust my experience I'm here to tell you this is that when you have an experience with God you don't need people to agree with your experience or not it's been said that a man with an experience a man with an argument is is uh, submitted to the man with an experience When you have an experience with God, no one could argue that fact. And what Moses is saying, what if they don't believe my encounter with you? And I I need you to understand, some of you here, you are relying on the opinions of others instead of the opinion of God on your life. And I don't need you to believe in my call because you didn't give it to me. 
And some of you need to understand that God's the one that called you, not man. And so those desires that you have in your heart to make a difference came from God, not from other people. Somebody say amen. amen. So what he was simply saying to God is this, is I lack the credentials and I lack the ability. Now, I want you to recognize something. There is a gap between where we are right now and when God places a call on our lives. Or let me explain it this way. How many of you have ever been at work and you've been given a project at work that seems greater than your ability, resources, or talents? Dave, your hand went up right away. What was that? Working on the computer. Working on the computer. Because you were always out. You were the man that got things done. Okay, and so as a result, you, you, they gave him responsibilities as a manager. He took over the place. He's no longer the working at the place. He's managing the company. And so that promotion, the gap between where he was at and what he was asked to do creates stress. In our lives, when you are given a responsibility that is greater than your... Now listen your perception of your abilities, talents, or resources, and what someone gives to you, it creates a certain amount of stress. And when stress comes in our lives, stress has the ability and the capability of hurting us. Now, the gap in our lives equals stress, and Moses is stressed out. How many of you have ever been stressed out before? Hey, you just have to get on the road in San Jose, and you'll, you'll get stressed, right? You just have to try to get anywhere to get. But Moses is stressed out because how many of you know that you want, to, you want to do what God wants you to do, but sometimes what it seems like God wants you to do is bigger than you. And that, that gap creates stress. Now, I want you to notice something about stress. Stress itself, it's been said, left unchecked, has the ability or can contribute to many health issues. In other words, stress is bad for you, Right? According to, to doctors, they say that stress can create high blood pressure, uh, heart disease, uh, obesity, and diabetes. Now, now, you imagine Moses, God, first of all, you want me to go do this. It's creating stress. Now you're going to give me diabetes, heart disease, and you're going to give me all these other problems along with the fact that I can't do what you're asking me to do. Because when stress comes in, stress begins to give us... How, now, I don't want you to raise your hands, but do you realize that there's individuals that stress has the capability to give you panic attacks? And that panic attack, some people have ended up in the, in, in, in the emergency room thinking they're having a heart attack because of stress. And the doctors, they say that you really can't tell the difference between a panic attack and a heart attack. There's physically nothing wrong with you, but the person going through it feels like they're having a heart attack. And many of us have gone through times in our lives when we see we're trying to heal our marriage, we're trying to get out of debt, we're trying to break that addiction, we're trying to become a better person, and we see where we want to be and where we're at, and that gap creates a stress in our life that overwhelms us. And we get to the point like Moses that we're like, we can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do what you're asking me to do. And it's a good thing, but I don't know if I can do this. And so look at verse 11. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? God is just going directly to the issue here. Moses, who made your mouth? Who made the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Now, I want to stop and just kind of pause for a second, and I want to kind of explain this for a moment, because if we read this scripture, it looks like God says, okay, deaf, mute, 
see, speak. Deaf, mute, see, blind, speak. And like God is just choosing who's going to be what. That's not what the scripture is referring to. Because you have to interpret this scripture based on the whole word of God. And if you take this scripture based on the whole word of God, you see that when Jesus came in contact with the mute person, he gave him a voice. When Jesus came in contact with the deaf person, he gave uh, gave them hearing. When he came in contact with the blind person, he always restored their sight. Are you following me? When Jesus came into a funeral, there's not a funeral Jesus left that he didn't raise the person that was dead. Even his own. Every funeral Jesus went to, he messed up. And so I want you to see what happens when you take that, what Jesus is saying or what God is saying is simply, I'm in control. I have the ability to fix anything that's out of place. The scriptures isn't saying that God chooses someone to be blind and someone to be mute. What he's saying is, I'm the one that fixes all these issues. I'm the one that has the capability to do so. Now, I want you to see what happens here. When stress steps in our lives, when we look at stress, God calls Moses, stress steps in. And when we have stress, it's bad for our health. It would look like God's trying to kill Moses here. Now, that just doesn't seem right. But I want you to recognize that the difference between stress and faith is who you are putting your trust in. Say it again, Pastor, because whenever you are given something that outweighs your talent, abilities, or resources, and it's been placed on you to get it done, when you have to do it and you don't have that ability and that gap exists, when I put faith in me to get it done, it creates stress. But when I take that that opportunity and that mandate and I give it to God, it becomes faith. And if you are becoming stressed out by your marriage, stressed out by your finances, stressed out by your health, stressed out by your walk with God, it's because you are putting too much responsibility on you and not enough responsibility on God. Oh, come on, somebody. First service got this a whole lot better this morning. This first service, they were, they were rocking. They were grabbing a hold of this. I need you to understand is that stress is created when you look at your abilities. But faith is developed when I look at God's abilities. And you got to stop focusing on your lack and start recognizing that you serve a God that created you. Now, he says, who, Moses, who made your mouth? He's talking in this, hold on, Moses, stop for a second. Who made your mouth? Who is in control? Now, let me break it down to you this way, all right? If you had a Bentley, just bought a Bentley, all right? Somebody say amen. Amen. All right? Or you just just bought a a Mercedes. Or you just bought the BMW. And if you need one, Siaki, okay? If you, whatever it is that that you just purchased, you just bought that car. And that car breaks down on you as you're driving away from the lot. Are you going to call Toyota? Why not? They didn't make it. You're going to call Honda. How about your uncle that is a good mechanic? Oh, he wrenches a little bit, right? Why wouldn't you call him? First of all, you got to understand, you're going to take it to the manufacturer, Because you want quality parts to go back in that car. 
You bought it for a certain emblem. You bought it because it represented a certain quality. You got that thing. Ladies, you go out and get your Louis Vuitton purse and the strap breaks. You're going back to Louis, right? You're not going to go to Walmart and go buy a fake one, fake strap and connect it to it. I paid a lot of money for this purse. Come on, ladies. Right? Get that weave done and the weave comes out. You're going back to get it put back in. And yet what happens is this, is that if that were to happen with our car, we would take it back because of the warranty. We would take it back because the manufacturer knows how to fix. They design, they put that vehicle together. Why is it when we break down, we go to alcohol, drugs, relationships, and we go to things that are outside that didn't create, didn't design, and didn't develop who we are? And then wonder why it doesn't work. You didn't design yourself. You came out of the mind and the thoughts of God. That God created you out of the wisdom of his mind. That everything we see was created first in someone's mind before it was created physically. There was a design for this podium. Someone had an idea and they sat down and they sketched it. From that design thought in someone's mind, they sat down and they began to develop the measurements. And then an iron worker came together and began to weld and put, cut these things and begin to design what someone had in their imagination. Every one of you sitting here today is the result of the imagination of God. And why is it we try to fix ourselves when you were designed and fashioned by God? Why do you take yourself to things that didn't create you? And then we wonder why it doesn't work. We wonder why, you know, now our, our car recently, oh, Betsy, we've had her since, you know, we, we picked her up, I think, in 04. She's in 05, but we picked her up in 04. And... Uh, we, we, we paid her off after like three years, our GMC Denali. That's the first car that we got loaded. We had never bought a loaded car before. We always got cars that were, you know, we wanted the loaded one, but we couldn't afford the loaded one, so we got the one that we could afford. Well, this one, we went all out. I mean, we, we, after we got done, I put televisions in there, put 22s on it, and uh, we, 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 had, we had televisions on the headrest, had PlayStation in there. I mean, we, we, went, we went like crazy on this vehicle. Well, we've had her for a long time. We haven't had a car payment in 10 years. I'm so blessed for that. Now, listen, I'm not saying this for you to feel sorry for me, okay? Do not, do not. A pastor's trying to get a car from us instead of an iPad. It's not what this is about. These are choices we made. We made this this choice because we want to pay off our house faster. We made this choice, okay? We've made some financial choices and some, some decisions. Well, Betsy, her her gears went out just recently. Her transmission went out. It it skips from first to third. And so where we, Jacqueline, her car, she got in an accident with the car we just bought her in. She got hit by someone. And so we took her car in to get fixed. While she took her car in, she drove our car and it came back broken. And it's not her fault, but it, it just gave out when she was driving. And so... Now we're driving down the street instead of we're going 
<laughs> you know. And so we're driving down the street. And everyone knows that hey, there's something wrong with your car, dude. That's getting me where I want to go, right? I'm getting to where I want to go, but I'm making a lot of noise getting there. Oh, don't laugh at me because some of y'all are the same way. Because you're getting to where you want to go, but you're making a lot of noise on your way to get there. You might be, you know, I'm, 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 stu- I'm, I'm not stuck. I'm, I'm dedicated to this marriage. I'm dedicated to this marriage. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love my wife. And you try to stay in there, but you're making a lot of noise in the process. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to give. Okay, I'll get an Operation Christmas Child box. You get it done, but you make a lot of noise on the way to get there. Not doing it because you want to. You're just making a lot of noise on the process of getting there. And yet we use so many other things to try to, to try to heal, to try to fix, to try to take care of those things. And there comes a point where you just got to break down and you got to take the car back to the manufacturer to get it put back together the right way. There's only one that can put you together, and that's God. Stop running around trying to find other things to fill the gap. Because it's still going to be broken when you're done. And what God's simply telling telling him is this, I can overcome anything. But what, what am I telling you? He's telling Moses this, Moses, I've already factored in, okay, you stutter, you can't speak, I get that. But you think I didn't know that before I called you? Now, let me take it a step further. Do you think that speaking was somehow, even if Moses was a great speaker, that somehow he was going to sweet talk Pharaoh into getting rid of the people? Your gift isn't what sets people free. Let me try this side. You might be gifted, but your gift doesn't set people free. That's the power of God. Thank you, three of you. Okay? Now, I want you to understand something and grab a hold of this. Sometimes we are so, we're so down on ourselves that we don't have the gifting to do it. And we're always going to struggle with two things I've learned. We're going to struggle with fear and we're going to struggle with pride. Fear to do it. Fear to step out and do what God asks us to do because we're not qualified. I don't know if I can do it. And then once we do it, we struggle with pride. Did you see me? That was pretty good. I nailed that, huh? Wow, did you, did you see how I did that? See how I sang that song? Did you put it on Facebook? Did you videotape it? Snapchat? Is it on there? Did you, did you catch my solo? You know, and what we go through, what we, what we find out is the very thing, if the enemy cannot keep us from, use fear to keep us from doing it, he'll use pride to keep us from being effective. But God is saying this. Look at 2 Corinthians. Omaha, if you could help me. Troy, if you can, you can uh, take your place as well, I'd appreciate it. He says this in verse chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. This is Paul talking. And in the insults, come on, have you ever been insulted? In the hardships, ever gone through some hard times? Ever been persecuted? All right? And tr- now, now, persecution is not you can't find a parking space at the mall. <laughs> It's not that it's not persecution. Oh God, you're not with me. <laughs> so that is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, 
the persecutions and the troubles I suffer for Christ. It's the difference of suffering for Christ and suffering because of bad choices. Okay? There's a difference. Paul's saying, I enjoy when I go through these things because of Christ. For when I am weak, for then when I am weak, then I am strong. What, what, what are you talking about? But Paul, when I'm weak, you're strong? See, Paul understood something. That my weakness is God's opportunity to show strength. Oh, you missed that. That in your weakness... In your financial lack, God could show up as Jehovah Jireh. In in your your trouble, God can show up as Jehovah Shalom. In your sickness, God can show up as Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. That every one of your problems, every one of your weaknesses is God's opportunity to show up strong. What weaknesses are you facing today? Is it your past? Some of us are having a hard time living down yesterday. Is it your disabilities? Things that you feel like, I don't have the ability to do that. I'm not talking about uh, physical disabilities. I'm just talking about, you don't feel you have the ability to do certain things. The limitations, certain limitations you have. Maybe the color of your skin. Maybe your gender. Maybe your age. Maybe it's your economic background you came from. Maybe it's your choice of sin that is holding you back. Maybe it's your failures or your education. Whatever it might be, I want you to understand that God's already factored in your failure. You don't think God knew these things before he called Moses? Don't you think God knew that before he called you? God, I'm not good enough. You'll never be good enough on your own. That's what his sacrifice on the cross was all about. It's not about your goodness. It's about his It just blows me away that those of us that got in by grace are trying to make others get in by regulation. That grace was good for us to walk through the doors. But we want other people to step through by certain rules. And you know what's reading in my journaling this morning, the Lord just spoke to me. I've always used the seed. Remember, I've done sermons on the seed and talked about the get, getting the, the seed into certain environments. And what's the trip is that many of us judge people, and I say us because I include myself, that we've judged people based on their seed season while we're at the fruit season. Forgetting that at one time we were that seed. Forgetting at one time we were in the dark, we were planted, we were covered by dirt. We, people had forgotten about us. It seemed like there was no hope. And it's very easy to look at a sapling and say, well, they're growing, they're doing great things. But you can't see what's going underground on that seed. You don't see what's taking place under the ground. You don't see the roots beginning to shoot. You don't see that plant trying to work hard to press through the ground. I want you to understand that I can't judge you where you're at in your development, in your walk with Christ. Some of you are full, mature plants that are beginning to produce fruit and developing other seeds, while others of you are saplings. Some of you are still planted, but I'm here to tell you this. That's my responsibility to get you into the environment where you can grow, where you can develop, where you can germinate and begin to be everything that God created you to be. 
That's what you're doing here. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. What it does is it develops an atmosphere where that darkness can begin to start shooting out roots and you can begin to grow and start pushing through the dirt in your life and become everything that God created you to be. God is stronger than your weakness. Did you hear me? God's stronger than your weakness. He's not just stronger than your strength. He's stronger than your weakness. Where you're weak, he's still strong. In my failures, God is still stronger than my failures. Exodus 12, he tells them this. Exodus 4, 12. Now, therefore, after he tells them, listen, I'm the one that created your mouth. I created you. Now, go. And I will be with, I will be your mouth. Literally, I'll speak for you. Oh, you got to catch this. And I will teach you what to say. Why is that? He says, now go. I will be your mouth and I will teach you. What an amazing promise. I will be your mouth and I will teach you. I will be your mouth and I will teach you. Let, let me put it to you this way. Uh, for those of you that are financial services or, 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 or trying to get out of debt, what if Warren, Warren Buffett walks up to you? Warren Buffett says this, listen. I want you to come in, and I'm, I'm going I'm to pull you in. And I'm going to mentor you. And I'm going to be your mouth, and I'm going to instruct you on how to get rich. And I'm even going to give you the things you need to get started. How many of you that are interested in that realm would say yes? Right? You wouldn't even have to think about it. It's not, well, uh, you know what, let me get back to you next Tuesday uh, I got to check with my job to see if I can get some. Heck no. Yeah. What, what God is literally telling Moses. And for those of you that are that are that, that work in the trades in the plumbing, electrical. God's literally telling Moses this. Hey, dude, I want you to be my apprentice. I, wa- I want you to be my I'm, I'm going to show you how to be a deliverer. I'm going to show you how to set people free. I'm going to be your, I'm going to be, now check this out. I'm going to be your mouth and I'm going to teach you. We're we're closing here. Stay with me. This is so important. Because how did God create? The word. word. Follow me on this. God created with the spoken word. And he creates atmospheres with the word that he spoke. An atmosphere where mankind could live on this earth with the spoken word. He spoke to the water to bring forth the fish, spoke to the earth to bring forth the plants, spoke to the earth to bring forth the animals, spoke to the sky so the birds would come. He spoke to these things, but before he created you and I, he spoke to himself and said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. The same way a fish can't survive outside of water is the same way man can't survive apart from God. That God is our environment, but God creates with the spoken word. God was literally saying this, Moses, I'm going to create a new atmosphere for you. The words I speak are going to create a new world where slaves are free. Not just free, when the slaves walk out, they're going to walk out rich. Because they're going to knock on the doors of every one of their oppressors and we're going to send the women to do it. Because the men will just say okay and walk away. But we're going to send the women... 
And we're going to send the, the Teresas, the Judies, and we're going to send them to their, to their neighbor, knock and say, we need some gold, silver, and whatever you have in the house before we leave. You got to give it to us. And because these Jewish women lived and worked in many of these Egyptian homes, they knew where all the money was. And it says, you are going to, you're literally going to plunder Egypt. The children of Israel didn't walk out of their slaves. They walked out of their rich. Rich. That promise is simply saying this. You know, archaeologists have never been able to found, find the Garden of Eden. You know why? Because when the presence of God was pulled up from the Garden of Eden, the garden ceased to exist. The garden wasn't a place, it was an environment. It was the presence of God. What am I telling you? Is that when you have God with you, and he's speaking for you, and he's instructing you, your house can become the Garden of Eden. Your business can become the Garden of Eden. Your school can become the Garden of Eden. It's a place where you walk and dwell with God. It's a place where the glory of God dwells. I'm here to tell you that regardless of what's going on in America today, that if we had more people that were walking with God and let God speak through them instead of them speaking their opinions instead, we could change the world by bringing the Garden of Eden, the presence of God, into our community. Stand to your feet this morning. The garden's not a place. It's an atmosphere. God stopped Adam and Eve from eating from the tree of life. And it seems like he was being rude when he kicked them out of the garden after they had fallen. It's like, man, God, don't you have any grace and second chances? The reason God kicked him out and then moved the tree of life to uh, the tree of life to heaven is because He didn't want Adam and Eve to eat of the tree in the falling condition. Because if they ate the tree from the tree of life in the falling condition, they would have been stuck in the fallen nature forever, and there would have been no chance of redemption for mankind. Everything God does, He does out of love. Because he loves you. He wants you to be redeemed. It's not how good you are. It's how good he is. It's not what you have to offer. It's what he has to offer you. And I did a terrible job in my early days because I was so religious in the way I saw things. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He loves you so greatly that you couldn't even merit his love. I need you to understand that he doesn't tolerate you when you're bad and then love you when you're good. He just loves you. He can't love you anymore. He can't love you anymore. But your purpose is connected to obedience. And we're so busy trying to understand. But God never called us to understand. 
He called us to obedience. And whenever I try to understand before obeying God, I find that God is, I've stolen the opportunity from God to help build my faith. When God calls me to do something that's beyond my ability to understand, and I try to figure it out before I obey, I've taken faith out of the equation. See, if I can understand it, then I don't need faith. Faith, the Bible says, without it, it's impossible to please God. You want to please God? Start stepping out in faith. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.